0: Rise up young man, rise up young lady, you are not alone, no matter what you're going through, it is going to pass, you're gonna come on the other side, you keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today, Amoraji. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Is that how
1: you say it? Yeah, Amarachi. Okay, sorry. <laughs> You're good.
0: Why you never rectified me?
1: You said it right, just right okay.
0: now. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I know this is like right before Thanksgiving and you are getting your stuff done you gave us your time. It's 4 o'clock here.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: For sure. Let's start by you telling us a little bit about yourself. I wasn't on the mic, sorry.
1: See, okay, I guess one thing about myself is I overthink. And (laughs) now there, there's so many ways to begin or to answer that question. So
0: you grew up in Dallas.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Dallas. That's where
0: you were born. You grew up in Dallas. What was growing up like in Dallas?
1: Um... Well, I guess to be more specific, I grew up in Plano, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. And um, growing up in Plano was it was it was pretty good.
0: Is it a suburb? Yeah, it's know. a
1: sub it's a suburb. Went to Plano East High School, and is that the
0: big school mm-hmm. with uh, what's his name, that quarterback from uh, Oklahoma, the one who just
1: went to the. NFL. I can't. Honestly, anything sports related, do not ask me. (laughs) Don't ask me. I can't verify that information. But um, we had like, I had like a graduating class, like 1,600 people when I was in high school. So I went to like a really big school. It was pretty diverse, too, in terms of just... So you never heard about Kyler Murray? That's like squid, right? Like that's
0: something you eat? Kyler Murray?
1: Oh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Kyler's a calamari. Um. You you heard
0: of him, right? (laughs) no okay
1: but it it could it could just be me we don't have to talk
0: about (laughs) it (laughs) yeah
1: but um yeah i I grew up in plano um i was always just really studious really involved Mm -hmm. did ran track when i was ran track from like from the seventh grade up until high school didn't really want to run in college because I felt like it would be a lot to balance. Just yeah. I was always in my books. I see. Always now, in my uh, books. Felt like let me go ahead and get let me go ahead and pay someone for let me go ahead and get someone to pay for me to study instead of getting someone to pay me to run. But there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but it just wasn't my thing.
0: Wow, wow. So your your parents are originally from Nigeria, mm-hmm.
1: right?
0: So I'm sure they tried to instill that uh, Nigerian culture, right? You growing up. Yeah. How hard was it for you to balance the Nigerian culture you learn at home versus when you went to school and the American culture that you were learning?
1: I think I'm a unique situation uh, in comparison to a lot of my friends because my mom actually came to the United States when she was seven, so she wow. grew up here. Um, my dad came here when he was like in his 20s. My grandma actually like raised all of her kids here um, and... I'm pretty sure she studied or got some form of higher education while she was here. Yeah. So I'm I'm not necessarily like first generation like Nigerian American even though my mom was born in Nigeria mm-hmm. and so her being brought up in an American lifestyle kind of translated into her not being as um not being as strict as some of my other friends talk about and there is like a little bit of cultural distance in mm-hmm. the sense that because she Grew up here there are certain things that she wouldn't have experienced in nigerian to bring i guess to bring into how she raised me but at the same time it made me who i am and i'm still um grateful and love them for it but yeah growing up it was i mean there was still like that expectation to where you need to excel in school or there are certain things that your friends can do that you can't do like going sometimes you see people like in class talking back or acting a certain type of way and mm-hmm. in your mind like my parents would never mm-hmm. allow that you're kind of thinking if that was me you know somebody would be prepared at home to um to get on me for doing that definitely but
0: did they teach you the language growing up no that, that's one big thing when yeah. uh, the kids grow up in the u.s so how was it when you went back in nigeria and the kids were like speak the language and you couldn't do you feel embarrassed, or are you like? Uh...
1: It was kind of. I mean, it it's fr- it's it's frustrating mm-hmm. to not be able to. Um, what am I trying to say? I would say, yeah, it it is. It is a bit embarrassing, but at the same time, like, people expect you to know something that wasn't given to you, mm. and so I don't want to be like put
0: in the middle.
1: I don't I don't want to put this expectation on myself to do something that was outside of my control because if I grew up in a household where both of my parents are um raising me or speaking to me in English then mm-hmm. what what do people expect? I think it the responsibility goes to the generation before you to pass on any form of culture to the children. Um do I wish I spoke it? Yes. Do I think a lot of uh, languages? Um, yeah, a lot of languages in Nigeria are dying. Yes. But at that same time, I think culture is something that culture is something that's like it's given to you. Mm-hmm. It's not genetic. like ebo uh, ebo yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't anything that was it was within my chromosomes, and when I came out of the womb, I was already gonna speak it. It's something that is a result of your environment. and mm-hmm. that wasn't my environment, but I still appreciate and respect it and wish I knew it. But yeah, I mean, it was embarrassing because I'm sure my cousins were shading me (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't know what they were saying, but what can you do?
0: That's cool, that's cool. So it's known that many African uh, parents really, uh, I would say they want their kids to succeed, to be the best as far as school-wise, and sometimes they put a little bit of pressure, right? You're talking about running track, but also wanting to, to get somebody pay for your college education but before that what was that uh do you feel like uh, education was a privilege or it was an expectation growing up Did your parents like oh you need to really get that good grades
1: mm-hmm. yeah. no i definitely think that education or performing well in school was an expectation like there wasn't it wasn't a situation where I'm like hmm, when i graduate i don't know if i want to go to college or is that an option to me like that's that's required you're you're going to go to school mm-hmm. is even after your bachelor's um I think in my family it's like okay you know what are you going to do well, I guess or what else are you going to do after that in regards to, like getting your master's or getting your doctorate like there is this there's this expectation or it's just like if you can go one step higher then you need to that needs to be in your mind like yeah. it shouldn't be a question
0: definitely and that's from them or that's jumped in from you
1: well, I mean, I guess it it's mm, well, I would say it's in me from them like yeah. there are certain things where based on at, what you
0: saw from them,
1: yeah, because it's just it's just it's like a it's a way it's a way you're raised like yeah. there are certain things now where um I don't know, but even like there's certain things now like even when I go home, like when dishes are in the sink for too long, I get irritated and that <laughs> comes from my dad coming home every day screaming our names. Nobody Watch this dishes, dishes when we came home. Like, and that's just something that like it. It's like a muscle memory. Yeah. Like someone tells you this every day for eighteen years. All of a sudden, it's going to become a part of who you are. Definitely. So, going to my dad and showing mm-hmm. him grades, and the thing he's looking at is the B out of all the A's. That's something that kind of comes a part of you. It's like okay, I need to excel in every element of my of my life and my career or whatever I'm doing.
0: Definitely. Um. Definitely. So from college, you graduated from Plano East. Mm-hmm. What? First of all, what? What's the majority student in Plano East?
1: It's, I'm, I mean, I guess I would say it's like a majority of the students are white, but I mm. still feel like there we had like a large, um, Hispanic population, yeah. the African American population. It's
0: a big school.
1: Yeah, it was a really big school. Like I felt like nothing was out of proportion with the demographics of Texas. Definitely. Like okay. Texas is maybe like 14%, I could be wrong, maybe it's like 14 or 15% black. And I felt like that was, that matched the demographics of my school as opposed to UT, where the state is, um, Texas is 14% black and student population is 4% black. Definitely. Right. So I felt like it was a diverse school. People were pretty open minded. I never, I didn't really feel a type of way because of um, the color of my skin.
0: Okay. Definitely. So, from there, you came to UT Austin, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: And uh, I met you freshman year. Yeah. And for some reason, like, you were so different than many other freshmen. Really? You came in, started grinding hard from, like, I don't know. You you had two internships at one point. Oh, yeah. You said that. (laughs) You decided (laughs) to start a blog. Like, you, you just... I don't know. For some reason, you came in with, like, okay, I need to get ahead. Okay. Where did that motivation come from? Let
1: me tell you my, let me tell you how, like, my thought process is. Because this is even the same way I thought in high school, mm-hmm. right? If you have four mm-hmm. years of college, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year, Yeah. and each of them count the same. They're both, like, one quarter of a pie. Okay, well, freshman, comparatively, the coursework you're going to be doing during your senior year is going to be more challenging than the coursework you're going to be doing during your freshman year. Wow. Right? So you might as well go ahead and get that 4.0 when it's easier than try and get it when you're a senior and you're doing a lot more work. Wow. So I just, you know, okay, I'm here. Let me try to do my best in my classes because it's only going to get harder from this point forward. Like, why slack off when it's quote-unquote easy? Even though, like, freshman year has its own difficulties within just, like, transferring into um moving into a new environment living on your own cooking for yourself or doing all these things it's still like you know no one can really tell me actually no that's an opinion Mm -hmm. but i would say that chemistry one is probably going to be a lot easier than that genetics you're going to hit in four or five semesters so you might as well stop playing games don't start playing games when it's easy so i think that's just like what i that's what i that's what i think
0: that makes sense but many people do not think like that it's like but you also came in with extra hustle you started your blog and all of that. Yeah. And <laughs> what blog. were you What were you thinking? Is it like like I need to start my legacy now?
1: I don't even know why I started the blog. I think it was. Hmm. Why did I start the blog? Maybe I think we met. Maybe was it second semester? Because that's yeah. when I knew Rachel. Um. I guess the blog he's referring to. Yikes. Hope no one looks this up. But I had this blog called like Amma Live, um, because my mom calls me Amma. And so I'ma live is more like if I said, like, I'm going to live, that's how I would spin off on that. But after fresh after my first semester of freshman year, I definitely went through one of those experiences where I got lost in the sauce a little bit, trying to find. um, What was that like? Trying to find like a friend group, but also maybe I guess trying to be the person that I wasn't in high school because I felt like in high school, I thought I was lame. Not that that's a. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but I guess I wasn't necessarily, like, confident in who I was. I was confident in my skills. I was confident, like, in my academic performance, in my athletic performance, but in who I was as a person, I didn't see that. As a young woman. Not as a young woman. I just didn't see that as anything, I guess, I don't want to use the word desirable, but Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, there's kind of this lean towards, like, oh, I want to be cool or I want this kind of attention, or I feel like this person carries this kind of swagger, like I wanna be like them. And I tried to be, I tried to kind of mimic the energies that I saw from other people who I thought were cool, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, it never felt like, right, it wasn't genuine to who I was. Like Amarachi is Amarachi rides her bike. I I'm the only I am the only person of my group of like 20 Nigerian friends who rides a bike. I
0: think that's cool.
1: Um I I was in Girl Scouts when I was in um middle school and high school and I ride very hard for Girl Scouts. I love going camping. Um I like I don't know, I'm a vegetarian. I think I do a and maybe that's not necessarily like um unique or or weird in any way but i think there are just parts of myself that might be like deemed on the mainstream as not being cool or not being something that like black people do or might you know they you're trying to kind of you're tr- you're trying to fit into this box and it got to this point where like how am i how am i going to be um i guess how am i going to be a medium trying to fit into an extra small like, if these clothes don't fit you, why are you trying to wear them? Because I look goofy. The clothes are telling me that it doesn't work, but I'm still trying to fight it. I think after my freshman year, I started that blog. More as a way for me to be more transparent about the way I felt about myself or maybe the um, just a place to put my thoughts about my college experience or anything that I wanted it to be, and internships, those were just, I guess that was kind of a part of the grind. Mm -hmm. More so like, okay, I've done one semester of school. Let me go ahead and try and get an internship, figure out what I want to do, and start being proactive. And it also comes from UT will put you, UT will have you thinking you're not doing enough. I think that's one thing a lot of people can relate to is coming to this school and you see that your age makes Um, are taking 20 hours, they have a part-time job, they're a research research assistant, they've already won a Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) Like It'll have you thinking that you need to be on this extraterrestrial grind in order to be adequate. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was one of those things where I saw people taking up leadership positions, being involved in orgs, and not feeling like I was doing enough. And so, okay, you tell yourself that you can do... Um, more, mm-hmm. but more always comes at a cost. Of course. And that cost isn't something, and like every, like it, it, the costs are different for everyone, but that cost for me came at the expense of not having enough time to like take care of myself in regards to like getting enough sleep or balancing all this schoolwork or spending time with my friends because I need to manage responsibilities or having time to go to the gym or having time to cook for myself. And you end up trying to um, do so much to get ahead that you actually like lose parts of yourself that you need just to be at a baseline. And for what? So I think that was a good growing experience. But... It's
0: the biggest... I feel like many people do not... Many people try to come here trying to do what everybody else did. It's okay to, to learn from other people what's going on and how they did things. Then take that advice and craft your own journey. Yeah. Right? Right? But let's go back to... You say when you came in, you got lost because mm-hmm. so many people come in here, right? Get lost trying to fit in, yeah, and they never come out of it for a long time, yeah. right? Some people really go through it. How how hard was it for you to to turn around and change? When did you feel like you adapted?
1: Um, I think. I say like the biggest thing that allowed me to change or I'm going to say the biggest thing but I think what played into it is I'm I'm very introspective mm-hmm. and I don't I don't really run away from my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm um if I like okay like let's say if I am not Oh, I'm trying to think. What would be some of the things that I guess I would kind of have to break down with myself. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of like asking yourself like, why you think the way that you think, mm-hmm. um, why you believe certain things, why you want certain things. Like, okay, Amarachi, why are you over here? Um, maybe Why maybe. are you over here trying to like act like this crowd? Oh, yeah. it's because you don't really like who you are or because you want... Um, attention from guys and I'm not saying that like girls do everything to want attention from guys but I was being transparent about myself with myself about like wanting attention right mm-hmm. okay and so like why do you want attention blah 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 like why do you not why can't you feel this way about yourself and being able to think and being able to maybe recognize that maybe I didn't um see myself as like beautiful within the scheme of what social media presents is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, okay, well, like, I don't look like this, and I don't have this, and I don't do this, blah, 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 blah. But kind of going back, and um, a lot of it is just, like, reprogramming your brain, mm-hmm. right? Switching out the negative thoughts with positive thoughts, and... um And being able, like, I feel like praying on it, meditating with it, like, also just taking time to, like, sit down in the morning and reflect and speak with God and find peace in that space about, like, okay, you were, like, beautifully and creatively made. Or I would literally wake up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror and say, like, you were beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it sounds corny, but the things, like, the way, like, the tongue has power is actually crazy because the things you speak about yourself have it will it, it will like start changing the way that you actually move. Because I hear people like talk down about themselves all the time and it's just like, why are you cursing yourself? Like, why are you saying you're not going to get this? Why are you saying you're inadequate? Why are you saying you're not smart enough? Why are you saying that you're X, Y, and Z, but yet you say you want to excel? Like you're, you don't even believe in you, so why are you expecting everything else to fall into place? So I feel like being introspective and not running away with it because how are you going to solve a problem you don't know is there? Like, how are you even going to, how are you going to even get to where you want to go if you haven't sat down to break down the very barrier that is restricting you? So, I felt like every semester, like, the fall is always, I don't don't even want to speak it into existence, but, (laughs) like, historically, the fall has always been, like, a very, like, tumultuous or, like, difficult kind of season for me. Like, even sophomore year it was, junior year it was, this semester it was. But I think it kind of goes into a space where, okay, I have to kind of, break down um I guess sit down with myself and break down like what's going on so I can start being so I can start changing and you have to and you have to want it too. So, wow that was really long <laughs> wow no that,
0: that that's deep that's deep and the idea is like the culture as you said TV the social media all of that bring give us the definition of what a black woman is yeah right? And many people do not understand, even though, yes, we're supposed to know who we are, but Mm -hmm. when everybody's looking at you one way, it's so easy to get lost in that, right? Yes, you're not supposed to to be what other people think you are, but it's hard. It's Mm -hmm. hard to just get away from it, right?
1: It is, yeah. Yeah.
0: So you came in, right? You got lost a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then you figure out that, okay, I... Do not need to change who I am to find friends, right? Yeah. And then you went back to like finding who you are. Mm-hmm. But then now, as a today, you are a senior, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ut twenty twenty. twenty twenty. So you, you have a group of amazing friends. Yeah. A of it's like a community. <laughs> you guys are so close. And you guys have formed a community where everybody yeah. feel great about it. How did you? How did that happen? When did you oh, find
1: that group? Oh, my gosh! Am I revealing the secrets of Fab United? Because
0: every time I look at you guys, <laughs> I'm like, man, how did they do this? It's
1: actually, I feel like it actually was like divine intervention because, like I told you, in high school, I was awkward. So there actually is no way I don't. I would have been able to. I feel like there were not that I wouldn't like these. I feel like yeah. I feel like there. There wouldn't have been a way for me to be friends with as with these girls if it hadn't happened the way it did, because basically, like during freshman orientation, I met a girl at Lexus who mm-hmm. asked, um, who I guess we both kind of connected off of like being Nigerian, which mm-hmm. happens a lot. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, what's your name? What's your name? Oh, girl, you, you blah, blah, blah. or whatever. <laughs> and then she told me that she was starting this like you know um, group chat of like African girls, or not starting it, but she was just in it, and if I wanted to be added in it. And I was kinda hesitant because I was just like shy. Like I didn't I knew I wasn't gonna say anything, like I don't know any of these people, I don't know how to have just yeah. a random conversation. But I was like, sure, you can go ahead and add me in. And during the summer, people would kind of be having like conversations in the group chat, and people were like kind of getting to know each other. Yeah. I still didn't say anything. I maybe sent like one comment. But I know like when we all came to school at UT, like, when we started actually, like, connecting the faces with these names, because we had already been talking, we felt like we were already friends. Yeah. And so it was just, it kind of just, like, fell into place. Like, oh, okay. And I remember we had, um, like, a little, like, pizza party in the okay. X Lounge, like, my freshman year. And, like, a I remember I invited everyone to play board games one time, like, our sophomore year. And it just, I think it was just that group chat and the fact that we already knew each other before we came in wow. and everyone was really cool and chill and we were all African and we were all at this white-ass school. <laughs> I'm sorry. We were all at this PWI. Um, no, at this white-ass school. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and um, and so many of them, so many of us, not, not anymore, but so many of us were pre-med. So many, yeah. Yeah. And so I think... Are you pre-med? I'm not pre-med anymore. That's a different story. We'll talk about that. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But so many of uh, them were pre-med. And so it's like, okay, we're all African. We're all pre-med. We're all at this space where we're minorities. We're all, you know, beautiful, popping, ambitious. Um, And also when you're a freshman, you want to make friends. You want to, like, go to parties. You want to find a group. And I feel like it's also just, like, so many people were just really nice. Like, it Mm -hmm. would just... It just happened. And it's incredible because I don't think... A lot of people were able to come to college and make the connections or create a community the way we did.
0: Definitely, was there a head? Was there somebody who's the main attractor?
1: Oh, I don't even know. I just like I told you, Alexis <laughs> just added me in it, and um, and that's how I got in. And I think I'm saying like it would have been hard for me to um break into that, especially because yeah. it is hard to break into like when people are already friends. It kind of feels hard to break into that circle. But then also I'm kind of keep to myself until someone approaches me sometimes just because yeah. I don't know what to say or <laughs> I, n- I don't even want to see him stand like there are people who like I'll be afraid to wave to because I'm just wow. I don't know why like I just I have like I just get a little in my head sometimes or get nervous I like
0: though whenever I see you in your bike oh because yeah.
1: I know you because I know you but if it's like if I don't know you then me you know, I'm just facing my front minding my business because I don't want to seem weird I don't know but
0: wow. You're talking about we are the University of Texas at Austin. Yes. 50,000 people. Yeah. So you came in from Plano mm-hmm. East. hmm. How many students were there? 6,000?
1: Mm, no. Well, ours is weird because we have like high school yeah. or senior high school and junior high school. So junior high school is ninth and 10th grade, and senior high school is 11th and 12th grade. Okay. So I feel like my senior high school might so have been like three grand or 3,000.
0: 3,000. So you came to UT. Mm hmm. When did it hit you, like, you, I mean, you are a minority over there too, but when yeah. did it hit you, like, you're really a minority?
1: Oh, um. Is that,
0: did you have any experience, like, I think it's, telling you that you're a minority?
1: It was, it honestly, it didn't come as much from outside of the community as it did within the community, because one thing I noticed my freshman year is that, like, black people would, like, avoid eye contact with each other. I might, I don't know if I. I don't know if I just like made this up. That's that's
0: true. Is that, that happening to that's you? True. And this, the the stupidest is when you're trying to like have eye contact with someone and they just look and they away. Look away. Like, and you just, know they see you?
1: I think I wrote about something on my blog. Like, I know. I know, <laughs> I know you, you see, see me, me. See you. It's just like it didn't. I was very. Con- I was very perplexed by that. Yeah. Because I was just
0: like. Because everybody know the nod. like,
1: You have to nod. It's it's just like a simple acknowledgement. And That's it's, a universal thing. But it's also I think it's that thing where it's like you don't want to be looking at someone just because they're black because or like you I guess because uh, you're black you don't want to be looking at someone just because they're black. But it's also like okay we are the two chocolate drops in this white ass ocean. Like I know you see me. I know I you know so I think that was one of those things where I realized okay the dynamics at the school are a little are a little bit strange. Um, I was used to being the only black person in my classes from high school. Um, I took, um, cause I, I took, I, like, I was typically the only person, like in a lot of my like honors or AP classes, mm-hmm. a black person, in my honors AP classes. So when I came to UT, it wasn't that, cr- it wasn't like that crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It was more of the fact that like the way like white people, people interacted with me. Like I felt like people were avoiding me in some senses that they yeah. didn't know how to like interact with me or how to engage with me. Or I felt like when we would have like um groups, like people would kind of always like look to if I was in the middle of someone's always looking to like their left and their right and not at <laughs> me. And just I'm just the
0: same like, thing I told CJ like about it. It, it it happens. It's like they say, form a group. Right person look to the right. Yeah. The left person look to the left. And you're, like,
1: and you're just sitting there and I'm just like my I, I'm I, I, I don't do anything. Like, I'm just a student here. Yeah. I'm just like you, trying to get the information.
0: Well, I think many of many people did not have any kind of, how to call it, interaction with a black person
1: before. I guess, I guess it was just so crazy to me because I went to, like I said, like a pretty diverse school yeah. where it was, I didn't have to go through that. So coming here and thinking that, you know, people are making assumptions about my intelligence or about my capabilities or about, like, what I'm going to say to them. Um, without even giving me a chance to say my name, was it was frustrating, and it kind of it was one of the things that made me like resent UT at the beginning of my college experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Being someone who worked harder mm-hmm. and like you been you are you are always smart in your classes. You work hard. Your parents instill you from the beginning mm-hmm. that confidence that you can be you can be better than whoever you want. Like yeah. you can not be the best person in the class. How did you fight that intimidation when you realized that? People are smart here, but worse, people don't want to work with me. How did you fight that?
1: Oh, um, I don't think I was intimidated by people's intelligence. Mm -hmm. Was I intimidated by people's intelligence? I don't think it really bothered me that much, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Um... I mean being an A P and stuff maybe.
1: Yeah. I mean I don't know because I think like it kind of I was a little bit irritated by the I guess superiority complex that like a lot of students held because they were smart. Like some mm-hmm. people I feel like they felt like they felt like they were too smart to talk to me or maybe they would like maybe underestimate my capabilities. Mm-hmm. And I think I think being smart, like if you're smart, kudos to you and that's great, mm-hmm. but I think there's just so much more to a person to where it didn't really I don't. I remember when I was in um, when I was in track mm-hmm. in high school. Um, I really wanted to be on, I guess, the best team I could get on because to me, I would rather be the worst among the best than the best among Even the, the worst. worst. So it doesn't really bother me that people are smarter than me. Like, if you're yeah. smarter than me, that's when to learn from you. There's something mm-hmm. I can like grow from you. I can do better or take what you're doing and apply it to myself. And at the end of the day, if I'm not the smartest person in the room it's not it doesn't really make me question my own intelligence it doesn't affect you because there's always going to be someone smarter than me i hope so of course of course i don't no, know i don't the, know that's the right way I that's the right know. way to have it i don't think there's a right way but did, i just
0: didn't did you did you ever go to you used to go to office hours do you feel comfortable oh
1: yeah hours? i was in office hours for chemistry oh my gosh Chemistry. I was in office hours all the time. Had it in my calendar. I was Good. like, I have to be here to prepare Every, for these it's tests. it's like a class. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Especially and I took for O Oh my gosh. I had to study so much for that class. Different. I would definitely be in office hours because I'm not afraid to. I'm not afraid to like to be wrong. Yeah. That doesn't matter to me. Because I would rather embarrass my, quote-unquote, embarrass myself. What's embarrassing about not knowing information? You learn. That's why you're here. Like, that's, that's I'm, I'm literally paying beginning. these professors to put these information in my brain. Yeah. Number one. So, I would rather embarrass myself in the classroom or at office hours and embarrass myself on the test because I was afraid to ask a question. Wow.
0: By the way, all you listeners who wondering why I always raise my hands in class <laughs> whenever I want to, that's exactly why. What because I'm here. And when I don't know, I need to know. I stop everything and make sure I know before we move on.
1: Who does it help by not raising your hand? Who does it help?
0: I know it doesn't hurt anybody and, else. <laughs>
1: or question, like, who does it hurt? Yeah. So what if someone... So what if you ask a quote-unquote obvious questions? And I also don't like when people raise a que- raise their hands and say like this might be a dumb question. Don't invalidate your statement before you even open your mouth. Just say you have a question Definitely. and go ahead and say it and be confident in your lack of understanding. There's nothing wrong with not knowing.
0: Definitely. So look like you took most of your pre-med classes. Oh yeah, almost. O chem you took. O chem you took. I took a lot. Biochemistry.
1: Oh no, I didn't take biochem. I took genetics. Genetics. Chem one, chem two, bio one, bio two, o chem one, o chem two. Chem lab, bio lab, genetics. <laughs> and then I dropped pre-med.
0: When did you say that you wanted to be pre-med? Was it any pressure and from your parents?
1: To be honest, I came into school not knowing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, my aunt is a physician assistant. She's a PA. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in my family work in the medical profession. So um, I kind of used that as a guide to start off. But I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do partly because in in high school like I wasn't asked those questions mm-hmm. you're just asked to like learn information and then be tested on it and that's how you do well like there wasn't really a choice to say like okay you can only take math or you can only focus on the arts or you can only focus on this or on history so mm-hmm. I was only studying what people told me to study and yeah. I also and I'm saying this like in the humblest of ways like I was able to learn information and perform well on exams so there wasn't really a subject where it's like oh man I can't do math or oh I could never do science or I hate history like it was just, just need to bring in I just I just need to <laughs> find a way do the study guide and and I had to study hard but I knew how to study yeah so I could perform well so there wasn't something in college that I felt like I couldn't do if I wanted which mm-hmm. presented an issue because then there were just too many options. Yeah. And i put that on top of the fact that I'm indecisive and my parents want me to go to medical school. It was just this recipe for um, coming to college and not knowing what I wanted to do. So I started off with, I was focused on PA school in the beginning because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do medicine. Um, but since I was already doing PA, um, there came, I guess, a point my sophomore year where I kind of realized, like you know what, like all my friends are going to medical school you know, I might as if if they can do it, I can do it too. If I'm already trying to do this medicine thing, but I just I never really felt. I always doubted it. I always doubted the decision. Mm-hmm. Like I never felt like okay, this is what I'm actually passionate about, or this is what I want to do forever. And I earnestly tried to pursue that field. Like I said, I took all those classes. I volunteered at a health clinic for a year. I was on the committee for a health professional organization. I Mm -hmm. went to a pharmacy camp. I talked with doctors. I really tried to like medicine. Like, I really tried to convince myself and to give it the best shot for my parents. Like, okay, can I do this as a career? Mm -hmm. Like, every step of the way, I just had doubts. Like, I just felt like something isn't right. But it was also this thing where I was too scared to quit yeah, because, because it's not you
0: felt like you went so far in
1: yeah it's it's, it's part of it feeling like i've already invested so much time but it's also that question where it's like okay if i don't do medicine then what's next mm-hmm. and not being able to answer that question for myself not being able to answer that question that i knew my parents were going to ask me or like friends are going to ask me was really intimidating and it was just like i don't know i have no clue because I have never really been given that kind of freedom to do that. And I call it this the Bermuda Triangle where <laughs> in, um, I guess, like in my household, or like in, probably like in a lot of West African households, the expectation is um, you can be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. And I knew I didn't really want to be a lawyer because mm-hmm. of the fact that I felt like a lot of it, there wasn't enough like personal connection for me. I felt like I would be in a room like reading all the time and it seemed like a career you needed to be a bit more, you needed to, I don't wanna say argumentative, but like, you know, be able to communicate your ideas and I'm not Mm -hmm. really confrontational in that situation. (laughs) Not to say the lawyers are confrontational, it just wasn't my energy. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't really interested in medicine, engineering wasn't something that I saw um, myself enjoying, like being in that space, Mm -hmm. but like one thing I had, I did like, then I was like a freshman, yeah, I think it was when I was a freshman, there was this person called Jessica Kabusi that I was following on Instagram mm-hmm. and she's like this fashion photographer okay. and I really liked the photos that she produced. I thought they were really cool. I would just be in my dorm room like late at night after I finished all my homework watching her videos about like um you know how she did this photo shoot or like you know where she'd take you through the city and have someone filming her taking the models photos and how she edited them and I thought it was really cool. So that semester, when I came home for like Thanksgiving break, I bought like this camera all on sale for Black Friday. And when I came back to school, I would just take like random pictures mm-hmm. around campus and try and take pictures of my friends. And I was really just going off of, oh, I want to recreate photos like um Jessica. Like, how did she do that? This is so cool. How did she make this image that, you know, kind of like just like just like sends all this energy to me? Yeah. Um, And that slowly, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so I was just taking pictures. And um, I think I took someone's senior pictures, like, my freshman year. And when there was an opportunity to do something creative. Okay, okay, I remember. I remember during my sophomore year, I have a friend. Her name's Ibu Kun. And she threw this event called. know Ibu Kun. Yeah, okay. I met Ibu Kun. And she threw an event called Black Girl Link Up. And she needed a photographer for an event, so she reached out to me. And I came to the event and it was in this room that was like so dark that my camera couldn't really like focus mm-hmm. in the in the situation. So I started taking videos instead of um yeah, taking videos instead of taking photos. And in the end I remember turning that everything I got into like a little video of the <laughs> event. Mm-hmm. And Little by little, I don't know, there were just different things where someone would ask me to take photos for them, whether it's like an organization asked me to take group photos.
0: Yeah.
1: um, Or someone would ask me to... um, I remember after that, with Ibuku, we became closer friends, and she asked me to, like, photograph the next Black Girl Link Up event, and we actually did some creative shoots together where I would, like, find someone to be a makeup artist and have her help me pick the... She would do the styling for the... For the photo shoot. And I would take the photos. And little things like that. And it was just like me being interested in it. You know, all the while. Like I the sat, passion. I'm, just pushing yeah, you to worry. All the while, I'm taking chemistry. I'm taking biology. I'm taking OCHEM. And I remember there would be times where I wouldn't even want to. Like, I would spend more time editing than I would studying. Yeah. And
0: that's where I felt <laughs> like I was really
1: interested in it. And I really, like, felt passionate about it. But in my mind, like, I had no... I had no idea. Like it, it was scary. I first of all, like, I didn't know really know. I didn't really know what to do with this passion because I didn't know what I could do with it. Mm-hmm. Like no one, my father never told me that someone has, you know, someone had a camera made a career out of it. The only careers you every only careers you <laughs> know about are literally medicine, law, and engineering. Yeah. So for me to even like conceptualize working outside of those fields, I couldn't because I had no proof of it. Wow. I didn't see it within my family. I didn't see it within um within a lot like, of within my friend group or within my community wow. so for me to even like believe that I could do something outside of that I couldn't even conceptualize it if I'm being completely honest like you believe the things you see yeah and so that wasn't anything within my peripheral and it wasn't until I um I became close with this guy named Mukiro and he connected me with, this video project. or no, it was my friend Debbie. Debbie is the one who reached out to me and asked me to apply to be a production assistant for this video project called um, Untapped, mm-hmm. which was a video series highlighting mm-hmm. artists of color in Austin, and it was commissioned by Brown State of Mind. And I went to that, and I was like the behind-the-scenes photographer. Wow! And doing things like that, I kind of like was in finally in this space where I remember or I, like, was actually seeing people make careers out of this. Or even before that, okay, do you know Sharif? Do you remember Sharif? I think He so graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started this clothing line, holiday clothing line.
0: Yes, Okay. Yes.
1: I remember Sharif had reached out to me asking me to be one of the photographers at the event. And what happened at that event is he had gotten together maybe like six or eight models. There were a bunch of photographers there. There were a bunch of his friends there. And we were all just in this space. Um, it was on campus at UT trying to do a photo shoot for his upcoming clothing line for his website. Yeah. And I remember just feeling so happy and fulfilled. Like, I remember just, like, being, like, actually feeling for, like, just... I don't know, like, I just remember feeling like, wow, I would love to do this every single day.
0: Yeah. This is what I want to do.
1: And I remember when I was there, I met this, um... What is it? I think there was this guy named Moyo. I didn't meet him, but, like, I saw him there, and I overheard him talking about... Or I think I since I had followed him on Instagram... I'd seen the photography work he had been doing, and I was really um, impressed by it. Um, and there were just other people there who I saw who kind of seemed to be making, and there were like a lot of Africans there who seemed to be making a career out of being a creative. Mm-hmm. And I remember, this sounds so, I don't know. I just remember going home that day and like crying because I didn't feel that way about medicine.
0: Wow.
1: And it's just like, it was just one of those things where it's like, why, I, it was just one of those really hard things where, why, um, why have I spent so long pursuing medicine? I don't even feel half of that way, and the conflict with that because it's like, okay, what does this mean? Does this mean I need to let go of medicine? I came to UT to get a to 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 you know to yeah. somehow become a doctor, and now you want me to go home and tell my father that I want to hold a camera? It does. Like that's what it <laughs> felt like, and yeah. it was just, and I still didn't even. Leave medicine after that. Um,
0: Because it takes time to build that confidence to go face your parents.
1: Oh, my gosh. And I remember even after that, I went to New York for a summer. And I took photos there. And it was just just something that was organic. Like, when I had a chance to grab my camera, that's what I would do. If I could go on YouTube and watch videos, I would watch videos. Like, it was the thing that I could do all day, every day, and not feel like I was working. Right? But it's also that balance between... um, like there's a pay cut involved with that. Like you know, trying to think like, do I really want to be hungry? Because that's yeah. what I felt like. Um, do I want to feel like the the work I'm doing is less than my peers? Because there is this um, yeah superiority comp. Well, not superiority complex, but there is this like it's
0: society yeah like, telling you that you yeah, you true. have to you have to compare yourself. Yeah, but what makes you happy doesn't make that other person happy. Mm-hmm. Like you, when you got to the point where you were able to focus on that work
1: yeah. versus
0: the work that you needed to do, that's passion right there.
1: But you have to think about it. It's like society isn't comparing happiness, yeah, right? Of course. They're measuring you based on your salary. They're measuring you based on your, um, I the, guess, like on your academic or like whatever your diploma. Accomplishment. Is.
0: And they think that's happiness. Some,
1: um, that's what we're taught happiness yeah. is. And a lot of people, I don't want to say fall into that trap, but I think are doing things that they're not passionate about because... Um, because, yeah, they're doing a lot of things that they're not passionate about because of somebody else's definition of success. So I had to be able to ask myself what is success to me. I had to ask myself twenty years from now, if I'm working in a clinic, who am I gonna blame? Am I gonna blame my parents? or am I gonna blame myself for not being an advocate for what I wanted for my own life? Yeah, so things like that, like you said, it does take a really long time to be able to um step away, Because you're also telling yourself, oh, I have spent so long doing this, maybe I should just finish. Or I was telling myself, okay, instead of being a doctor, let me go to PA school. And after PA school, I can become a photographer. After PA school, I can become a filmmaker. But at the same time, it's like, by the time I graduated from PA school, I would have been maybe 27. And I'm not saying that age makes anything too late, but the amount of energy I have today is not going to compare to what I have after chasing somebody else's dream for eight years. It's it's incomparable, right? Mm. Because even at that stage of my point... You want to pursue photography, but now you have debt on your neck. Now you're someone at that stage in their life. They might be thinking about um, what they want their academic or what they want their professional growth to look like. Maybe thinking about getting married. Maybe thinking about kids. Like there are all these different factors that are gonna come in. And at the end of the day, I think for me, I decided I would rather go ahead and switch today. Like switch. It was like my end of my junior year. Mm-hmm. I changed my major. I would rather go ahead and try today and fail and come back to medicine as opposed to do it the other way
0: for sure for sure what was that conversation like <laughs> wait,
1: <Ooh-wee! laughs> they knew i doubted medicine because i had been talking about it since my freshman year that i wasn't sure okay i would come home say like mm, i don't know like, i ever told my mom like i don't like working at the clinic I would tell her, like, oh, I took this anthropology class that was really interesting to me. Maybe I want to study that more or change my major. Mm. Like it wasn't anything where they thought, like, I love being a doctor and then I changed one day. I had been telling them since my freshman year that I think I should switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were telling me since my freshman year that I should stay. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to them. Yeah. And a lot of it is because it's hard to challenge your parents.
0: Of course. They tell you what to do from the beginning. It's like they, they want best for you. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, nobody know what's best for you more than you.
1: Yeah, and it's also just, like, the doubt, me not understanding exactly what I wanted to do at that point because it was just it was just me taking a step into the unknown. Yeah. That combined with my parents telling me that it's not a good idea made it really hard, but I remember what had happened was, so my junior year, I got into this class called Digital Storytelling. It's yeah. a journalism class. I've been trying to get into it for a year, but I couldn't cause I'm not a journalism major. I'm in the college of liberal arts. So I finally got in, like I went up to the professor like a week into the class cause I saw an opening and he let me in and I got the slip signs and everything. So I took that class and that class was the first time it was a journal, it was like an intro journalism class where I learned about what the actual journalism field was, like what I could do in this space, what I could learn, how I could bring photography and video into it, how I can make a career. Wow. And I was like, whoa, like, my parents, my parents are wrong. Like yeah. People are actually doing this. People are making, you know, successful careers out of this. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And um, I got really close with my TA, blah 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 blah, and I asked her about her career. And I remember that semester, I would always go into the equipment studio to check out equipment and like practice, um, like just messing with the cameras on the weekends. And I remember on the screen one day I saw this, I guess flyer or advertisement for a new London study abroad program that had happened. And it was a study abroad to make a documentary. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, exactly what I want to do because I was really into video. Um, and I'd al- I'd been wanted- I've always wanted to go to London. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to the program, and I got in. And I think that, for me, was, like, a sign from God that I needed to let go because I prayed on it. Like, I remember I was just asking God, like, if this is what is really for me, um, then let me get in, and if it's not, then, you know, let me stick with medicine. But I got into the program, and I knew at that point that I couldn't ke- I couldn't keep ch- chasing two dreams, right? Because, wow. like, think about it. I mean, you're an engineering major, so I'm sure you've, you've taken some sort of physics. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are some atom in the middle and you have force going in two opposite directions, you don't move anywhere. <laughs> you stay in the same position. So how am I over here trying to grab medicine with one hand and trying to grab journalism with one hand but I'm not excelling in either? So that was the wow. moment when I just had to let go of medicine because I, I gotten into London like and I remember I just I knew since I was going to London I'd tell my parents why I was going to London yeah oh I'm going to London to make a documentary hmm? why are you making a documentary what does that have to do with medicine <laughs> oh btw I'm not doing medicine anymore <laughs> um, so it was that program that forced me to to tell them that I'm not doing it anymore because I was they, they had to know I couldn't have just left for the summer yeah. and be in a different country this
0: is crazy this is what I was saying oh my gosh. <laughs> Freshman year, I saw you hustling. <laughs> and many people you came in thinking, Yeah, I need to hustle right now. But one thing you didn't unders- didn't know then was like, This is my start. The more you hustle, the more the opportunities you yeah. get. Many people don't realise that. That's true. So from there you you went to New York for that thing. You went to oh, London yeah, for okay, that thing. London. Like, it's just opportunity, opportunities, opportunities, opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it, along the way, you find who you were. Yeah. It's like, at the moment, you were just living life. But at the end of the day, you look back, you say, wow, that was my road. Yeah, yeah. How many, how many corners did I cut?
1: Listen, <laughs> I've been twisting and turning for a minute.
0: Definitely, definitely. But this is the last question, because mm-hmm. this is so good conversation. we've But this is a lot. Like, do you feel like... The hardness of taking that first step toward anything sometimes motivate people to just settle for that thing they started with and not follow their passion. Cause at that point where you say, okay, let me start, let me uh, stop medicine and go to go to photography, right? You had your parents. That you had to go. You had to take that step toward your parents. You had to take that step toward changing your major. Many people stop there because those steps are hard, but those are the steps you need to go through to get to what you want. Yeah. Right? Do you think many people stop there just because that steps is hard? And many times I tell people the first step is always the hardest step to take.
1: I would say it's not even how hard it is, it's how scary it is. Mm. Because if I, I there's this one quote where who is it? Some president, it's some president where they say the only thing you have to fear is fear itself, mm-hmm. and that's what I was scared of. I, I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the challenge because like I already told you, I'm a hard worker. If it means if if you knew that you were going to be great tomorrow, then it didn't matter how hard it is because you've already secured. So it's not necessarily like what you have to do to get there is the fact that you don't know, and. I th- it was just like for me, the fear of like, okay, if I step away from this, first of all, I don't know if I'm going to even be successful in this field. I'm scared of what my parents are going to tell me. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of like needing to come back to school and get a whole new bachelor's degree. Like there are all these things um that were like I just was unsure about. And I remember during that season, I think I watched a lot of TED Talks. Mm-hmm and oh i hope i quote this properly but it says i think it went something along the lines of the um i guess it's like the only reason the only reason you aren't chasing your dreams is because of the story you're telling yourself about why you can't get it or why you can't accomplish it mm-hmm. and there were just so many things i was telling myself about like why it might not work about looking at like the salary within my field or looking about the <clears throat> um i guess like the you know, expected growth or job growth or whatever. And those are real factors, like they're real. But at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, like, do I want to live a victim to fear? Mm. Do I want to Do I want to live in bondage to fear? And I also one thing I say is that like fear and faith can't coexist in the same space. And so if you say you have faith, but you're scared, then you don't have faith. And that's not to like attack anyone, but I'm saying when you actually have faith, that means you have to like dispel all fear and you have to be confident in the fact that whatever is going to happen is going to be in my favor and if it's not then it means that it was then this is like how the way things were supposed to be because i think one thing that helps me not be afraid of situations is understanding that everything is going to turn out the way it is so like even if there's an internship i really want and i don't get it that doesn't mean i need to be sad it just means there's another door open for me somewhere else like this wasn't mine and i really had to be able to sit down and not and not you know be in bondage to fear like i'm scared of my parents okay so go Okay, wow. I'm afraid of falling. Okay, so go. Like, what do you? So you want to sit here and be afraid for the next twenty years? That's what you're saying. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to do that, even though it was scary. It was. <laughs> even though it was scary, but it I didn't was. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that.
0: The thing is, like, today people can give you advice, and you, if you take them, and you fail twenty years from now, it's not like they're gonna come and say, "Okay, let me take it back." You're gonna have the consequences of those advice, no matter who gave it to you, mm-hmm. right? If your parents tell you to marry someone, and you decide to marry that person, 20 years from now, if you guys don't have a good marriage, your parents are gonna say, "Oh, sorry, just keep moving," right? It,
1: yeah, but I mean, just it might like, why are we so afraid of failure? Why are we so afraid of failure? Like even even tomorrow, if everything I've spoken about and like you know, or five years from now, everything I've spoken about and um doesn't come into fruition and I'm not successful in my career. Yeah. Who's to say that I can't just turn around and try again?
0: Yeah, but it's better to fail when you are following your own yeah, advice. Yeah. Than, yeah.
1: But it's just like, so what if you fail? Yeah. And it, I, mean, I mean, I'm not and I'm not saying so what to invalidate the fact that like, there's money and there's health and there's time involved. But you, it's like stepping back and saying like, sometimes it's okay if things don't, don't go work right. out. Because there are a lot of complicated situations and I don't want to sit here in like a position of privilege um with like an education and with like a supportive family or with you know Mm -hmm. um like the financial means and invalidate the struggle that someone is going with but how long can we'll like how long can we use those those reasons as I guess like crutches to preventing us from moving forward like there comes a point where it's like okay yeah this is my situation and I might you know, do this and have to move back when my parents are 32. But like, so what? Try again. It, yeah. it, life isn't perfect. And if, you're, and if you're chasing perfection, I am so sorry. Um, That's mistake number one. Wow. That's mistake number one.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for giving me your time, giving us your time. This was amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure.
0: So there you have it, people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mamba Inspire You Are Not Alone podcast. We have another great story next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Twitter and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire.